To get us started today, I would invite you to turn to someone or a couple of someones around you, preferably someone maybe that you don't know very well, and uh, tell them a little bit about your family of origin, the family that you grew up in. Uh, you don't have to share anything you're not comfortable with, but maybe just some little things about where you were born, how many kids in your family. Uh, if there's something interesting, then go ahead and share that. But uh, go ahead and take a little minute to, to talk with one another about the family you grew up in. You can get up if you need to. without a Paul All right. Well, that was pretty animated. Uh, anybody learn anything you didn't know? Yes. All right. Good. Surprising how we can be in a church family together and not know about other uh, each other's families. But um, families are interesting, aren't they? Uh, they're all different. We've all experienced. Uh, life of, in a family of some kind, and most of us have families that we have good memories of and that, uh, that were systems that were supportive of us, and uh, others may have families that were a source of pain. But they're all different, and the dy- dynamics in every family is different. Some families are, you know, materials for a sociology book, and <laughs> others for a sitcom or you know, a, a reality TV show or something uh, along that lines. But they're all different. And as you read through the Bible, the Bible is story after story of families. It starts with Adam and Eve's family. It moves on to others, to Abraham's family, to Jacob's family, to, to Moses and Aaron and David's family. And we have all these families. And one of the things that... Uh, most of them have in common is that they're flawed in profound ways, and yet God 
somehow winds his story into their story to bring about the good plan that he has for the salvation of the world. God uses it all. And we're continuing our message series this morning, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. And the goal of this series is to increase our understanding of uh, who we are in God's eyes so that we can live more fully the lives that we're created to live. And I started this message series with a passage of scripture uh, that we've been building on each week from Psalm 139.14. And it's taken, it's in the middle of this wonderful poem that David has written. And in it, he's talking about how intentionally and uh, involved God is in creating him. And he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And that's one of the goals of this series is that we would know full well how fearfully and wonderfully we are created, what we mean to God. And each person is unique and wonderful. You are one of a kind. But last week we explored and took that a little bit further to um, talk about a reality that we face every day. And that is that though we are wonderfully made, we are also in ways disappointingly broken. Uh, Some struggle with addictions, others with relationships. We have anger issues. We can be selfish and self-centered. We don't love as Christ loved us and accepted us. And we fall short in a variety of ways of what we're created uh, and meant to be. So we've inherited this fallen nature. But the good news is that God has provided a cure. Through Jesus Christ, we can become new creations, and that's where we focused our attention last week on this scripture from 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. And we talked about how as new creations, God has equipped us for this new kind of life. He's given us a new heart, a new nature, and a new life. He, he is restoring in us the image of God that was lost at the fall. And we can go from one degree of glory to another as God's spirit works in us. But that's not it. Uh, there's more. And at the very same time that God recreates us, he adopts us into his family. Uh, We're not meant to do life alone. God has placed you in an earthly family, but he also places us in a spiritual family. Um, I wonder how many have seen the movie, um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Okay, some of you. It's a movie about a Greek woman uh, named Tula who is, by Greek standards, an old maid. And uh, she's unmarried. It didn't look like she's going to uh, ever be married, according to her family. But then she meets this wonderful man. He's everything that she ever dreamed of, with one exception. He's not Greek. And uh, this makes Tula nervous about introducing him to her family because they are very Greek. And uh, But because when you marry someone... Uh, It's a package deal, right? The family comes with it. It was inevitable that that day would come. So we're going to watch a a little movie clip here from my big fat Greek wedding of that introduction. 
Tanessi, Sia. Alita Tanessi. Don't you know you're engaged. You're engaged. We never think of what happens for you. Never. Never. Didn't we say that? We never think this thing will come. Never. Never. And it came. Oh, is this you? Yes, sorry, everyone, this is Ian. And then the potluck, right? <laughs> when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are welcomed with open arms into a family. And you may not get that kind of welcome when you walk into a church. Uh, probably, uh, hopefully not, right? But uh, there's a party in heaven. And uh, God welcomes you into his family. And that's where we're going to focus as uh, we talk together today. If you'll go ahead and pull out your message notes. Um, Scripture tells us that God does an amazing thing. That when we accept his son, he accepts us and calls us sons and daughters. You become a child of God. Uh, look with me at John 1, 12 through 13. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. That's John 1, 12 through 13. We're reborn into God's family. And, and Paul expands on that in Romans eight fourteen and 17. He says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you, are not re- you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we can call him Abba, Father, for his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Isn't that a wonderful promise that we are going to inherit the glory of God? And together, we are the family of God, along with God's church across the world. God has given us a spiritual family to help us through the journey of life And because we're part of God's family, we've been made rich in these spiritual blessings that we read about throughout the New Testament. But along with those blessings and joys, just like in our earthly families, we have responsibilities, right? There are expectations of how we will interact with each other as children of God. So in your message notes, we're going to talk about three responsibilities we are called to as God's children. The first is we're called to love and care for one another. Uh, When I was in seminary, uh, I went through a really difficult loss about the third year of seminary, and I didn't see how God was going to get us through that. And there was a couple from Georgia there that we had met like the first week, and we'd become really good friends with us. And when Carolyn found out about this... um, she came and knocked on my door, and she said, let's go for a walk. <laughs> and we went over to the gym, and I remember walking up the uh, 
flights of stairs up to the mezzanine and across the back of the gym and then down the other flights of stairs and around and around we went. And as we walked, she talked. And uh, I don't know how long we walked, but I think we would have walked until we had walked and talked to Hope. And that's what we did that day. And we need people in our lives who will commit to walking with us through the hard times until we find our way back to hope, until we get our feet back under us. And and that's what family does. That's what the family of God is here to do for one another. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. You know, as you read through the Bible in the New Testament, there are over 50 one another's. Uh, We are told to love one another, serve one another, share with one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another, accept one another, agree with one another, be kind and compassionate to one another, encourage one another, live in harmony with one another, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. (laughs) Clothe, one and clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. And that's just a few of these instructions that we find in the Bible about how to be the family of God. And I believe that this is God's intention for every church. God wouldn't have painted this one another picture for us if it weren't important to who we are as children of God. This is what we're called to be and do. In Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, it says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We are here to love and encourage and support one another through the trials of life. We're called to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. We've been placed in a family, the family of God, and that's a good thing. Uh, it's a blessing, and, and you all have experienced it. But most of, that happens most of the time. Unfortunately, we uh, are the family of God is made up of people, <laughs> and people are flawed, right? We're we're not perfect, uh, and so we'll also be called to forgive and accept one another. Have you ever had to forgive somebody in your uh, earthly family, your <laughs> biological family? Yeah. You know, anytime um, we live in close proximity with others, especially in a church where we're trying to accomplish God's good on earth uh, and we have an enemy who doesn't want us to, uh, something's gonna, some, but sometimes people are going to get hurt and offended by things. And, um, you know, those... There are people outside of the church and sometimes inside the church that expect perfection from us, but the truth is that we are all works in progress. And and I would guess, you know, if we got back in these little groups and talked again, that everyone here would probably have some kind of a story, either from your own life or some a story you've heard about something that was done or said or moved that hurt somebody's feelings and maybe even... um, caused angry words. Uh, the first church I served in, um, they had like a, a throne, only it was really big. 
If you think that one's big, you should have seen this one. It was huge. And the pulpit, they were both, like, made for a giant of some sort. And Forrest even had to make, like, a a platform for me to stand on behind the pulpit in order to be seen because I just couldn't even see over it. But the throne, I would sit down on it, and I felt like Alice in Wonderland because... (laughs) My feet were just like this, you know, they wouldn't even reach the floor. And so I moved that, that throne to over where the lectern was, and I took one of the, uh, they had a nice little uh, smaller pew like we do here, and I took that and put it there for me and anyone who was assisting in worship to sit on. Well, the next week I found out whose uh, chair that was, <laughs> great-grandfather that chair was in memory of, <laughs> Yeah, she she was uh, really, really mad. And, you know, feelings get hurt. Uh, people unknowingly and sometimes knowingly do things that cause pain. And like in any family, we will have to forgive. Colossians 3, 12 and 13 says, You are the people of God. He loved you and chose you for his own. You're, you're his child. So then, you must clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be tolerant with one another and forgive one another whenever any of you has a complaint against someone. You must forgive one another just as the Lord has forgiven you, right? We've all been forgiven. We're all in need of forgiveness. So God calls us to forgive one another. That's what Jesus' followers do. And Jesus said that the world would know that we are his disciples by the way that we love one another. I like the passage in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 that says love is not easily offended, right? We have to give each other a little room. We're called to love and care for one another, to forgive, to be forgiven. And then number three, uh, to open the house doors wide to others through our actions and our words. You know, when we are the family of God, when we're loving each other, enjoying our sweet fellowship, accepting and inviting others, um, others will want to experience what, what we have. And the church should be like that family. I think you uh, may have experienced one growing up, you know, the one that has the swimming pool in the backyard and the barbecue pit and the fire bowl where the doors always open and the teens want to hang out there because... They know that they'll be welcomed and cared and cared about and accepted. Uh, You know, the home where uh, it feels like you will always belong and always have belonged, where even though you aren't actually family, it feels like family, where you can get a hug when you need a hug and you're missed when you're gone, where people laugh together and not at each other but with each other, where you speak the truth in love when needed, where love never... Uh, is topped by anything else. The church should be that kind of people because we want others to experience our family and the love of the Father. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. I love those words, and so we are. And so we are the children of God. And he invites us to call him Father. Whatever your uh, family life was growing like growing up, you know, not everyone had a, a wonderful father. 
But God invites us to know him and love him as a good, good father who cares deeply for his children. You've been invited. You've experienced the joy. And God calls us as his children to open the door of his family to others through our actions and our words. Uh, On the back of your connection card, there's some responses. And one of them is, uh, the third one is, I'm going to invite someone to one or more of the church family events that we've planned this summer. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever been that teen that didn't get invited to the pool party, but sometimes it takes an invitation to let people know that they're welcome to be a part of the family. And then uh, number two there says, I'm going to to encourage or do a kindness for someone who's part of our church family this week. So it's an opportunity for us to show God's love Uh, to those in the family of faith. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord God, we uh, praise you. We thank you for our church family. And everyone here uh, most likely has experienced, had that experience of uh, having the church come around them in a time of need. We've shared joys together, rejoiced with one another. And we thank you, God, for, for creating this church and um, for putting us in it, placing us in a family. And we ask your blessing on this church and on each one here that your uh, continued presence would be known, that you'd guide us and lead us, that we might be full of the joy of the Holy Spirit as we go together. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.